So um, this is going to sound weird, but give me a second to work through it because i got to introduce the series and then we'll get to your note sheet. Um, I admittedly have no tattoos. I know you're shocked. I know you're shocked. Um, <laughs> it's true. Um, I've always wanted a tattoo. I've always wanted the, um, the, the little, and it's, it's so out now, but I've always wanted like that, the thorn thing that went around your arm. But I, I, well, I know I'm not going to get it because I don't have the arm for it, right? I mean, I, I get that. Um, I don't have any tattoos, and so I'm kind of a tweener, right? I am between generations. I'm between the generation older than me that was pretty sure tattoo meant hell and the generation younger than me that's like, you don't have a tattoo? What's wrong with you, right? I mean, so I'm in the middle of all that. And so we were sitting around one day kind of, you know, in staff, and we are just talking, and I said, I... Now, listen, I'm going to tell you what I wanted to do, and then I'm going to tell you what we're doing, right? So hang with me. I said, I, w- I want to do a series called Inked, and maybe someday we will, because it, it, this didn't quite go that direction. But I said, I want to do a series called Inked, and I want people to tell their stories behind their tattoos, and why don't we give away free tattoos? <laughs> Can I get an amen or an oh me? Amen. See, there's these two, there's these two generations. <laughs> One is like, oh, no, he didn't say that. And the other is like, you're the coolest pastor ever. <laughs> and then there's Wendy. So um, right, in the mid- right in the middle, like, Paul, just stop talking. Um, so, you know, what, what you'll learn about me the longer you're here at the gathering is I have some pretty crazy ideas. And it's so good that God surrounds me with people who go, Paul, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We can't do that, right? Um, I, we're in this bar, and I keep thinking about the time that the Panthers were playing well. <laughs> and um, and we were, they were going to be on Monday Night Football. It was the, it was the um, and I know I'm totally wasting your time now. I should have started the clock. But um, it, it was when they were going to play the, the Patriots on Monday Night Football. And so we met down here in the bar to watch it together. And my brilliant idea was, let's buy everybody a beer. We didn't. We gave away wings. But um, we came up with something, right? So, like, I've always got people that are like, that's a pretty good idea, but can we keep talking? And so, um, as we're talking about inked and tattoos and all that, you know, I'm giving credit to Adam because he, he he's just like, what about, let's do a series called Birthmarked. And I went, can we give away birthmarks? <laughs> how, how, how does that work exactly? You know, how, and and. But the more we talked about it, the, the, we, I loved it. I loved that idea. The more we studied it, I loved that idea. Now listen, birthmarks can be sensitive. I get it. Um, we are trying not to make it sound like we are poking fun at birthmarks. But I did post, can I show that picture of um, Gorbachev in case people don't know who this is? This was a world leader. So if you have a birthmark that you're a little bit ashamed of, let me just say, when you can become a world leader with, I don't know what country that is on his forehead, but when you can become a world leader with a birthmark, like, there's nothing going to stop you, okay? I put this picture on Facebook last night and said, like, that's a really important birthmark on a really important person, but it's not the most important birthmark. The most important birthmark is you. Like, I don't look like that. Well, actually, we're marked by the birth of Jesus. If we're, if we're followers of Jesus, then we're marked by his birth. 
We're marked by a new birth into his kingdom. Some, some stuff's going to mark us. And so this month, that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, listen, birthmarks are unique. They don't look the same on everybody. Um, I, instead of getting a bunch of birthmarks of people, what I did was just to show you how unique they can be and how much fun they can be. I brought some special markings on, on animals. And I think we've got a few we'll just kind of walk through. I know, that's so cute. That's so cute. Can you believe a cat? How does a cat... Have a, pic, have a marking of a cat on a cat. I don't understand that. That's, like, that's not the cat in the hat. That's the cat in the cat. It's just weird. Let's, a few more. Do you see it? You see the people talking to each other? That's a lot of bull. Um, we had a cat on a cat. Now we have a horse on a horse. You see that? And I think we have maybe one more. I'll give you a second to read that one. Look at the picture. I'm going to give you some time. Okay, we got it. That's good. We got it. We got it. So, um, so over the next few, over the next month, the, the weeks um, in December, what we're going to be talking about is is how did the birth of Jesus mark us? We're birthmarked. How did the birth of Jesus mark us? And now this morning, before we can even get to that, I want to I want to pose this question. I'm going to we'll put this point up on the screen that the birth of Jesus changed everything. I think that's in your note sheet. The birth of Jesus changed everything. So can I just ask this simple question? How did it change everything? Did the birth of Jesus really change everything? So just let me point out some ways that the birth of Jesus changed everything. We already know that his birth split time, right? Um, Now there's BC, which means before Christ, and AD, which means after dominoes, right? (laughs) I always wonder, why isn't it B.C. and A.C.? It should be before Christ and after Christ, but A.D. is a Latin term, and it just means the year of our Lord. So he split time. I mean, our entire timeline as humans is, is impacted by Jesus. Um, he was so important, everybody, believers and non-believers, would agree about this, that no one has impacted history like he has. I'm going to read a couple quotes, okay? Um, some of you, you'll know these names, and some of you, you'll be like, who is that? It's an important person. That's all you need to know. H.G. Wells. What you need to know about H.G. Wells is he was a historian, and he was not a Christian. And here's what he said. I'm a historian. I'm not a believer. But I must confess, as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. Napoleon, you've heard of him, little short man, said this, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires, but upon, what we, but upon what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. Castro, heard of him? Yeah. Said this, I have always considered Christ to be one of the greatest revolutionaries in the history of the world. Jesus changed everything. He, he, changed, he changed the dignity that children and women have. In the time that Jesus was born, children and women were objects, and he changed that. He changed everything. He touched the untouchable. He loved the unlovable. 
It is not an exaggeration to say that Jesus changed everything. But don't take my word for it. And don't take the word of really important men like Napoleon and Castro and, you know, world figures. Just listen to these kids and you'll see that Jesus changed everything. Mary, she was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have, what, I can't, I can't say it good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. I, you're going to have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. <laughs> a camel. Oh, yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. They tried to go to a hotel, and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms, literally no rooms. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple. And then he just pointed the way, and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, then they saw angels. The angels said, a new baby is getting born, who is king of the Jews. The angel were singing. And then the shepherd said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out at night. And then the wise man heard about it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, that I have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold ring and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby I ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. <laughs> so there is no doubt. You've got it from the experts, right? Jesus, the birth of Jesus changed everything. So we got to ask this question, okay? Um, we got to ask this question. This is not the big idea for today, but if you, if you have like a big idea for the whole series, this would be it, okay? So the whole time we're talking in December, here's what I want you to be thinking. If the birth of Jesus changed everything, should it not change us? 
That's the big idea. He marked history for sure, but, but if we're following Jesus, then he also should mark us. Okay? He should mark us. We should be different. It is impossible to encounter Jesus and not be changed. We can't stay neutral about Jesus because he's not giving us that option. So how do our lives change as a result of this man? What, what qualities, what birthmarks in our lives will point to Jesus? There's tons. I'm sure we're going to do four. Okay? And this morning is your first one. This morning is hope. I'm going to give you uh, two, two statements, two truths about hope. And then um, the big idea. And there's a lot of scripture, okay? So you're going to want to write a lot of this stuff down on your note sheet. Hope you have room. Here's, your fir- here's point two on your sheet, the first point about hope. Hope doesn't come from this world. Hope came to this world. Hope does not come from this world. Hope came to this world. So we all know the Christmas story. We just saw it, right? Um, but the Christmas story is not... Really a Christmas story if we don't know the backdrop. And here's the backdrop. 400 years of silence. 400 years. You ever been given the silent treatment by somebody? Is somebody giving you the silent treatment right now? (laughs) Like, it was the longest ride to church, you know. The silent treatment's the worst, isn't it? Like, you're just like, hit me. Scream at me. Do something. But don't just be silent. There were 400 years of silence. The last thing that God said, if you read the last verse of Malachi, it has something to do with um, his wrath. And then silence. Hmm. And then Jesus. The point here is we, we try to work up hope in our world. We try to find hope in our world, but hope doesn't come from this world hope came to this world this past week um i learned about greek mythology i've always heard of it i ignored it when i was in high school i was pretty sure it was of the devil and then this week i learned the story of pandora's box and you may already know this and so humor me right um the, the greek gods got mad because their fire was stolen And so to punish mankind for stealing fire, they sent Pandora to earth with a box. Some of you are like, you're going like, really? I thought that was a jewelry store. No, it came from Greek mythology. So like in Pandora's box, Pandora opened up Pandora's box. And out of Pandora's box came every bad thing we know in this world. This is a myth, right? Hang with me. It's not the Bible. It's not the Bible. All the bad things came out into the world that we know today. All the misery. And then Pandora closed the box and kept one thing inside the box. And I didn't know this part of the story. But the one thing that Pandora kept inside her box that she did not let out into the world was hope. And it was the Greeks' way of trying to understand what we've been trying to understand ever since then. Which is this. Why is life so hard? Why can't I find hope? Why do I try and try and try to have a budget and at the end of the month, I just have bills? Why can't I get ahead? Why does the bad person get the promotion and I've been faithful and I got fired? Why does my dad have cancer? Why did my dog die? 
Why, 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 why? See, all of humanity, this is the issue. All of humanity tries to figure out where is hope in this world. And what you've got to understand is hope doesn't come from this world. Hope came to this world in Jesus. Romans. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Where does hope come from? What we find out is Hope doesn't come from somewhere. Hope comes from someone. Paul write this, wrote this to the Romans. May the God of, who's got it? Hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with what? Hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope. We get hope from God. We don't get hope in this world. It's sent to this world by the God of hope. And how was it sent? Through Jesus. Hope doesn't come from this world. Hope comes to this world. One of the commentaries that I read as I was preparing for this message said it like this. Jesus didn't just bring hope. Jesus is hope. Christmas is when we celebrate the fact that hope has come. So, hope doesn't come from this world. Hope came to this world. Here, here's the second, the second point. I think it's three on your sheet. Hope holds us when everything around us is falling apart. So, if we, if we have hope in Christ, and then everything around us is just messed up, freaking out, going crazy, hope holds us when everything around us is falling apart. Not that you've ever experienced that, right? We've never experienced those times when everything around us has fallen apart. But if we ever did experience that, hope can hold us. Now, I don't know about you, man. We need this. We need hope. What do we do when the hope we, do, we have doesn't match the life we're living? Have you ever been there? Like, okay, I know what the preacher said. I know what the Bible says, but it's not what I'm experiencing. What, what do we do then? How does hope help us in that moment? When that happens, here's what we have to do. We have to dig into the unchangeable character of God and let hope anchor us. Um, if you got your Bibles, flip over to Hebrews. Here's a verse that you can underline, highlight, put lots of marks next to so you never forget it. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. I just said Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. Oh, sorry, verse 19. Sorry, I just had that moment where I was like, what am I reading? The author of Hebrews writes this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We already sang about that this morning. We had this hope as an anchor for our souls. Um, if you... If you were lost at sea and you, you were just drifting, what, what, if you had no way to put an anchor down, you're just at the whim of wherever the ocean takes you. And isn't, have you noticed this? This is kind of how we are, right? Like if we don't have an anchor, if we don't have something to hold us down, something secure, have you noticed how we just kind of tend to drift? It's not hard to do. You don't have to try to drift. You just kind of do drift. And, and hope is the anchor for our soul. That's what Hebrews is saying. We have this hope, and it's like an anchor 
for our soul. It's not a wish. It's a real conviction in a real God who has a real track record of really coming through. We already read Romans 15, 13. What happens when we put our trust in God, when we put our hope in God? He's the God of hope, and when we trust Him, what happens? We find ourselves overflowing with hope, overflowing with joy. See, Jesus, His birth changed everything. The biggest thing it changed was it brought hope to this world. Hope that we could never have found. And you've got friends, you've got coworkers, you've got family members, and maybe it's even you sitting here right now, and you are looking everywhere you can for hope. Well, maybe if I dump the job, or I dump the family, or if I just get away for a weekend and just do whatever I want to do, and the only thing about, think about Jesus, maybe if I get a new house, maybe if I, maybe if this is the year that He finally remembers what I want for Christmas. Yeah, don't hope in that. All these other things, if, maybe if these things happen, maybe then I'll find hope. We'll never find hope in this world. It doesn't come from this world, it came to this world. And then hope holds us when everything around us is falling apart. And why is all this so important? Here's why. And I, I mean, I want you to get this. Um, before I tell you the big idea, I need you to turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Colossians 1, 27 this is the verse, okay? This is the verse. Many of you have heard this. You've heard songs about it. Let me tell you how God changed my perspective on this verse. Colossians 1.27 says this. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I used to read that as a me verse. Have you ever read that as a me verse? Oh, it's Christ in me. The hope of my glory. Because I've got Jesus in me. I'm, someday I'm going to be in heaven. I know I'm going to be good. It's, he's in me. He's, it's hope. I've got hope in me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is not a me verse. I mean, it, it does. It's a benefit for us for sure. But this is a we verse. It's Christ in me and Christ in you. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. You know what this means? It means that the world is doing the Pandora's box thing, right? They're looking everywhere they can for hope in this world, and they can't find it. You know why? Because it's not in this world. Guess where they find hope? In us. Because it's Christ in us that is the hope of glory for us, definitely, but for the world through us. And here's your big idea for today. Hope comes, hope is given on earth by those whose hope comes from heaven. Hope is given on earth by those whose hope comes from heaven. It means that no matter what's going on around us, we have hope. Because our hope doesn't come from this world. It comes from heaven to us and then through us to the world can't give away what you don't have and a lot of us in church we're trying to give away hope that we're looking for in this world and there is none but hope is given in this earth by those whose hope comes from heaven if my hope comes from heaven guess what this world can't do take it away it's not possible my, my person didn't win the election hope anyway I ran out of money hope anyway 
I don't see any way out of my present circumstance. Hope anyway. Because your hope is not in any of those things. Your hope is from heaven. Isaiah 49, 23. Great promise. It says this. That when we trust in God, the ones who trust in God will never be disappointed. He comes through for us. And we give that hope away. So when we have hope, we give hope. And in return, we get hope. Let's think back to Paul's testimony, right? What did he share before service started? I went up to the mountains to help people. And as I gave away the hope that I had, I found myself having more hope. We give hope because we have hope. That's, that's the whole reason that we do what we do. It's, it's why we won't stop giving things away. We don't stop giving away hope because things get bleak. So we're not just generous when things are great. We're generous because generosity is in our heart. We have hope. And then when you've got hope, you give hope away. I was into it. <laughs> Let me tell you some stuff that's happening right now because of hope. Cody Teague. It's being set free from alcohol because of hope, right? Here's a young man who struggles and struggles and struggles. And because because people around him had hope and they gave him that hope, they helped him get to Teen Challenge in Sand Hills, and now he's at Teen Challenge in Pennsylvania. And he's different. That's hope. Hope is given to us so that we can give hope away. And it's not a wish. It's not, gee, Cody, just try harder. Just wish more. Love Jesus more. Pray harder. Now, how about we surround you and we actually get you on a bus and send you? How about we do what you can't? How about we give you hope? And you know what that looks like? More times than not, it looks like money. We give hope because we have something to give. I won't say the names because it's too fresh, but this week our church is able to help somebody right now that has no housing. The cool part about that story is not that part. The cool part is that this week while we met with this person and um, we're talking to them about a, a book that they're reading and you know, we, we gave them a book so they could be reading it, we could be talking through it with them and and this is what the person told us. Well, I took, I took the book and I, I read it, the first chapter, because you just told me to read a chapter a week. And it's hard to only read one chapter, so I read it like five times. And hope starts to grow, right? And so I took the book with me to work, and I put the book on a table at work, and one of my coworkers picked it up. And, and I told him, don't read that book. You don't want to read that book, because you won't be able to stop reading that book. And I need the book. And the coworker's like, well, well um, I'll, re I'll read it fast. Okay, just take the book home and read it. Listen, I know it's a small thing, but here's what I want you to get. We give hope because we can give hope. We give hope to somebody who has nowhere to stay because you give. Now, you could walk up to me any Sunday and go, I hope you can help people this week. 
And I'd say, me too. But it's a lot easier to help people when you say, I want to help you give away the hope that I have in Christ. And here, use this. That's hope. And because we gave somebody hope and said, we'll take care of you for a short season so you can get back on your feet. And here's something that we want to give you so that you can read it. It'll help you grow in Christ. We, need, we had to give another book because the book we gave was given away. This is how hope works. I'm going to read a verse to you, and you're either going to love it or hate it. I hope you love it. It's 1 Timothy, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. In 1 Timothy, Paul, um, Paul wrote 1 and 2 Timothy so we could um, prepare Timothy to be a preacher. And um, <laughs> he got super practical here at the end. So we're in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I know this is all about, it's going to sound like it's all about money. It's not. It's about hope. It's about generosity. Okay, so I want you to hear this. I love this. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Oh, let's start in 7. It's going to be 17, 18, and 19. Now here, here's what he wrote to Timothy. Command those. Now there's some of you in here, you love to command people. <laughs> I know. I can just see it all over your face. Like, I like to command people, okay? So whatever. So he says, command those. This is like tell them. It's not suggest, right? It's not suggest. This is not like you going, please make your bed. This is make your bed, right? There's a, bit, there's a difference, okay? Please, honey, if you could take out the trash. No, take out the trash. It stinks, right? So he's like, command those who are rich in this present world. Now, let's just talk through that first line. Because when I said command those who are rich in this present world, 85% of you went, this doesn't apply to me. <laughs> and you might be right. Except that, you know, we live in America, and so um, we are rich in this world. Now, you might not be rich in this country. I get that. But all of us in this room are rich in this world. Okay. So Paul's writing to all of us, even though we like to opt out on that one. I get it. I get it. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain. Why? Because hope doesn't come from this world. Hope comes to this world through a God of hope. And so what does Paul say? No, no, that's uncertain. But put your hope in God. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So just so you know, it's okay to have fun, right? When you use your money to go buy a cookie dough, and then you eat the cookie dough before you made the cookies, and then you have to go back and buy more cookie dough, that's not being wasteful. That's enjoying things that God gave you to enjoy, right? And then make the cookies, eat them again, make more cookies, okay? Ice cream and magic shell, it's all good. It's good. It's good to go on vacation. It's good to have a car. It's good to do all that stuff. God gives us things for our enjoyment. All right? Here's the key verse. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Paul says if you're wealthy in this life, do good, be willing to share. Be generous. 
He didn't say only do it when things are good. Because our hope is not contingent on what's going on around us. Our hope is in Christ alone. And when my hope is in Christ alone, I, can, I could give everything away. Huh. Okay, I'm hoping God didn't hear that and like next week I'm back here going, huh, so that's funny I mentioned that and he made me do it. But, but we could give everything away. And if our hope is truly in Christ alone, then he'll take care of what we need. This is how the church gives away hope. You know, there's a verse, and you'll look at this this week in your, um, in your community groups. I know we've got to wrap this up. There's a verse in Peter that says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. And what we do is we, because we, we're, we're so bad about taking verses out of context and building huge things off of it. So we take that verse and pull it out and go, you better memorize scripture. You better be able to answer every question that's ever asked of you about why you believe in Jesus. And you should. And that's all true. And you'll talk about this in your community group, okay? But in the context of what that was written, here's why that was written. Because Nero was killing believers. It was a dark time for the church. And the church still had hope. And people around them were going, what's up? How can you have hope when Nero is killing you? Let's rephrase. How can you have hope when Trump won? Let's rephrase. How could you have hope if Hillary had won? See, it doesn't matter what we put in the blank when the world gets bad and it starts to turn in on the church. If we don't panic. If our hope is in Christ alone, even in bad times, guess what happens? The world goes, hold up. i got to ask you a question. How are you pulling this off? And so Peter said, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. And if the world is not asking the church how we're doing it, it's because we're not displaying hope. But as followers of Jesus, guess what? We're marked by hope. It's a birthmark. We're marked by hope. People should always be coming up to you and saying, your life stinks and you're still hopeful. How? And your answer would be, Jesus. His birth changed everything. Practically speaking. We go into 2000 and, is this 16? Yes, 2016. <laughs> it's been a long year admittedly admittedly in our five years history as a church this has been the toughest one yet toughest one yet in in all ways and financially it's been hard because of we're, we're you know believe in God for a building and and we're and we're transitioning we're moving it's like do you just do you ever feel like when are we getting out of this apartment right like I mean I mean I, I don't want to sound like I hate it here but I just oh, I'm so ready and, and it would be so easy in moments like that to do this. Uh, let's pull it in, guys. Let's, let's ratchet that thing back a little bit. And let's just take care of us. Do you know what's happened this year? We've given more money away to missions than any year previous. And it's not even close. And, and I know some of you are like, why would we do that? That's stupid. We need to be taking care of a building. We've, we've, we've. 
oh, it's crazy. Like, just start thinking about numbers. Like, in the building alone, just down payment to buy it, and then what we've already paid to start doing the work in there, and missions, it's like, you add that up and go, dang, that's a lot. Because when you give away, I think John told me it's like $77,000 this year already has been given to missions. When you give that away, you know what God does? He blesses you back, and we've, we've spent $80,000. We spent it, not borrowed it, spent it on that building. Now, I know you're like, what did we get for it? A, a, a building. <laughs> and a lot of waiting. But our hope isn't in that. And if your hope is in that, you're going to be frustrated. Our hope is in Christ, in Christ alone. And he's called us to reach a city. And to be, able to, to be able to give more away in a year when we have had more challenges is a testimony to his faithfulness and yours. Because when you give, we're able to give. And that's how hope works. Your faithfulness in, in giving financially, in giving of your time, and, I mean, in giving to come set up. I still can't believe people come at 6 in the morning to set up on Sundays. To do all of that, it allows us to look at people who have real needs and not say, well, we'll be praying, good luck, but to actually give hope. And we couldn't do that without you. And so hope, hope is given in this world hope is given on earth by those whose hope comes from heaven because you know that your dad's got your back and he's going to take care of us and he always will and I'm telling you man when we walk around like that in this city guess what's going to happen city takes notice they go wait how are you pulling that off and we'll say (laughs) don't know it's got to be Jesus And that's the point. That's the point. Is that hope eventually just points back to Christ. Christ alone. Cornerstone. Christ alone. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. I thank you for the opportunity that we have as believers to, to literally give hope away. And, and I know it can take all kinds of forms. It can look like money. It can look like time. But what it all comes down to is that we're giving hope away. The hope that you sent through Christ to this world that had none. And you've given it to us. And everywhere we go, we get to carry hope. We, we're not looking for hope in this world, God. We are hope in this world we carry hope in this world because Christ is in us and he is the hope of glory and we thank you for it God in your name Jesus amen